This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Ots and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prame, Eric Scopel with me as always. And we are continuing our series today on previewing an Oregon football position group going into the 2020 season. We have completed the entire offensive side of the football, and now we're turning the page, going across the ball, and going to preview one of the best units in all of college football, and that starts with Oregon's defensive line. Before we do so, I want to remind you guys, you could subscribe today for DuckTerritory.com for as low as $1 for your first month. $9.95 after that, or you could subscribe with an annual membership, build one time $75.18, saves you over $36 compared to the monthly rate. Two great options for you to subscribe to DuckTerritory.com. That is the most impactful way to support this podcast. Other ways you can do to support the show. One, give us a review. We like reviews. Those help us. Also, make sure to click that like and subscribe button uh, on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or Google Podcasts, whatever you use to listen to the show. That way you get notified every time we upload a new show, which right now is daily. Um, Eric, and on today's show, defensive line. I, I think I look at this position group. I look at the depth of this position group, the depth chart that we've got made up here. And I see a unit that, in my eyes, this is the most talented group of all the positions at Oregon and the one that's probably the deepest. It's certainly, I think it certainly has the potential to be the deepest. Um, you, you look at the roster right now and, and you know, they, the three traditional defensive line positions, and I guess – I don't know exactly where we want to put the stud. If that's a, that's a, that's, you know, I guess that's a linebacker. It's a hybrid position, so we'll kind of include it in both. But you look at what Oregon has, at least with that traditional three-man front, and you've got you bring back your starting group of Kayvon Thibodeau, Jordan Scott, and Austin Folio, and then you've got like three to four players at each position behind them. Um, you know, I guess just mostly three, but like uh, behind Kayvon Thibodeau, you've got guys like Braden Swinson, Jake Shipley. Um, Massiel Afisi, these are all true freshmen. Um, at nose tackle behind Jordan, you've got Popo, Keon Warhudson, Christian Williams, and I think there's definitely some ability for those guys to move around and play this other position as well. Um, we're behind Austin Foggy, you've got Bren Dorless, Suave Poti, and then I guess Jalen Smith, who we've mentioned on the Offensive Line podcast um, recently, that he's, he's also playing a little bit um, at offensive tackle. So the depth there is, I agree, is undoubtedly kind of unmatched. You, you're looking at three basic positions and you've got 12 guys. Um, that's, that's a ton of depth. And I, I actually, I missed one, Jason Jones also. Um, that's one you don't want to forget. I'm sure we'll talk about him quite a bit on this podcast. So there's 13 defensive linemen at three spots. They are absolutely set up there. You think about what this looks long-term really quickly just because there's only two seniors. This is a group that I think has a lot of 
ability and a lot of talent to, to, to gel. And I'm looking at this now also realizing I just said 13 total players, but um, let me do some quick math here. Eight of them are either true freshmen or redshirt freshmen. So, I mean, this is a young, young group, but I agree, Matt, that the upside here is tremendous. Now it's a matter of figuring out kind of who steps up and who's ready to fill in. Cause we've said this in the past. I feel like you've got three guys you're really confident that are starting that are back. And then you've got two other players that everyone is just really high on. That's Pope Amave and Brandon Dorless. And now it's just kind of figuring out what the rest of this depth looks like up front. Kayvon Thibodeau was the Pac-12 freshman defensive player of the year last year for the Ducks. And he led the nation with seven sacks in the fourth quarter. Uh, first Oregon player in the last decade with two games or more, uh, with two or more sacks. Uh, he's had the Pac-12 championship game record with two and a half sacks against Utah. Uh, basically a freshman All-American by every single major outlet that was out there. Um, this is the big name, I think, of this position group. Uh, nine sacks last year, 14 tackles for loss. Uh, second among FBS freshmen in sacks and third in tackles for loss. Uh, most sacks by a Pac-12 freshman since Nick Perry of USC in 2009. Uh, just an unbelievable player. And I think what makes him so good, first and foremost, is himself. He's really talented. Uh, he is a bona fide number one potential draft pick in the 2022 NFL draft when he becomes eligible. But I think he pairs really well with Jordan Scott at nose tackle, the senior from Florida, and Austin Folio, the senior defensive tackle from California. I think those two seniors, along with Kayvon Thibodeau's skill set off the edge, really form just a really perfect blend of talent. When, and yeah, I mean, what else can you really say about Kayvon and what he, his upside is? And I wrote this this offseason before we knew the game, the, you know, the schedule would be condensed, that I, I really thought it was possible he'd break Oregon's school record for most sacks in a season, um, which I believe is 13 or 14. Um, and he's certainly somebody, hopefully, again, knock on wood as a junior, we have a full season. I think he's going to break some some sack records at Oregon. I don't think there's much question. The only thing really standing in his way is just, do they play enough games? Do they play the traditional number of games? Because I think we can all say this, he's a three-and-done player. There's no way he's coming back. Um, for a senior season, um, barring some very unforeseen circumstances. I mean, he is going to be a top, top draft choice. So, yeah, and I, we all know about Kayvon, and you're right. And I think just with, on Jordan really quick, um, cut some weight down to 311. You know, he came in at, at about 335 pounds, and he's now twenty-five, about 25 pounds down from when he arrived in 2017, um, down 11 pounds just this season to 311. I, I think it's going to be – I'm very curious to see – kind of what he can produce with a little bit of a leaned out body. I, I think the upside there is, is for him to be even better on passing downs. You know, we all know what he can do in terms of just like eating up the gap there, you know, being a run stopper at that with his body. You know, you, you think about how often he's double teamed, you know, go watch games. And basically there's almost always the center and then one of the guards helping out on him. And that's so impactful. Um, I'm curious to see what he can do now. Um, when he has to get upfield, especially against some of these passing offenses. And Oregon, you know, one of the things that I kind of look at, not to go too too off topic here, but Oregon doesn't play a lot of high-powered pass offenses other than Washington State, um, yeah. at least not on a six-game schedule. This could be a season for a guy like Jordan where he could just be putting up big stats because, um, you know, at least in, in the minimal number of games, just because it could be facing offenses that are maybe more favorable for his skill set. 
Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. They're playing a lot of run-heavy teams. Uh, Jordan, Austin Folio are really going to be called upon. And I think, though, just to look at this maybe from a half-class full type of perspective, yeah. this is going to be a year for Kayvon in which he will show he's more than just a pass rusher. Mm. Uh, I think that's what is on the in, on the docket for him, you know, from an individual standpoint, because he's viewed as that elite pass rusher, that guy that comes off the edge to get the quarterback. But to to be a true elite defensive lineman, you got to be a three down lineman. You got to be able to be on the field at all times. And yeah, pass rush guys are 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 going to be paid huge amounts of money and are highly valuable. But at the same time, if you can be on the field at all three times all three downs, no matter down and distance, your versatility, your availability goes way up. And that's going to be kind of what's important for Kayvon Thibodeau this year is, yeah, there may not be as many sack opportunities, but can can you dominate the, the line of scrimmage and the, against the run as well as a weak side defensive end pass rush specialist? Um, Popo, Amave, Brandon Dorless, two, so, you know, two backups, Dorless, the sophomore, Popo, the junior. Uh, very similar situations for them as – what Jordan Scott and Austin Folio are facing. And probably, Eric, I think it's safe to say we'll probably see more in 2020 of Popo and Dorless than we did in 2019. Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, I asked Jordan Scott, like, who are some younger guys that have been standing out? And those are the two he said. And I think with Dorless in particular, he said that guy's going to be a dude. Um, and we started to see that last year. And he was the, the lowest rated of the, the four interior, I guess, defensive lineman they added last cycle obviously Kayvon was on a different stratosphere as a five-star you know top two player nationally but you know Keon Ware Hudson and Christian Williams are both four-star recruits and so Avi Poti was a little bit higher three-star Dorless was the least uh, highly regarded he came in last year was the only one of those four not to redshirt played really really well and now you're the, the indication at least seems to be in fall he's taking another step and it's somebody that's going to be Maybe, maybe he's that next, you know, probably not maybe. I think he is at this point. It feels like the guy who's going to replace Austin at that, at that defensive end spot going forward after this season. So um, his development, I think it sounds like, has been significant. And you're right. I think those two guys are going to have, based upon what teams are on the, on the docket and schedule this year, those guys are probably going to get a lot of run. Um, you know, you might have in, in other, you know, certain situations playing Washington State, they'll probably be a little different from a personnel perspective. You might see some, some smaller bodies in the field there maybe – um, but yeah, I think those two guys have a huge chance and, and really both came along last year. I know Popo is somebody who we talked about quite a bit, um, just with his development, he feels like a, you know, I mentioned a second ago, Austin Folio has a direct, I think, replacement with Brandon Dorless. I don't think there's any question that Popo is who's going to replace Jordan, um, after the 2020 season. I think what's your biggest question going into this group? I, I think for me, I, I feel, I feel very confident. And the first three guys that, that are starting, we know that we've said that on the show just now. Um, yeah. I agree with you. I feel very good about Popo, Mave, and Brandon Dorless um, as backups to Jordan Scott and Austin Folio. I don't know what Oregon has behind Kayvon Thibodeau. I, I think that is the mystery for this group is, look, injuries happen in college football. Now we're dealing with covid there's a lot of possibilities that could play out in this sport in this one particular season in which a guy gets lost for a game, a guy gets lost for the season and you don't want to wish and you don't want to you know, expect an injury to Kayvon Thibodeau. He's, he's not sh shown any sign of being, you know, uh, injury prone, 
But if he were to go down or if unfortunately he gets called for a targeting penalty and he has to miss the game or has to miss the first half of that next game, um, you look at this and say, who is his backup? Who can provide something close to a pass rush that Kayvon Thibodeau can, can bring? I think that for me is the big question mark going into 2020. Well, it literally has to be a freshman. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no one else on the roster with any experience um, other than a couple of redshirt freshmen. A name I didn't mention earlier that I should have was Isaac Townsend, um, who could be the primary backup for Kayvon. He was working in the spring at the defensive end. I know there's been some indication he's getting a little look at stud. Still listed on the roster, though, as a defensive end. So the number I mentioned earlier of, of 13 might be closer to 14 defensive linemen. Um, with, with Isaac in there, I think, you know, and I, we should note on, uh, on Wednesday, Mario Cristobal ran through players that were impressed, had it impressed him so far. He did, he did note that both Isaac Townsend and Braden Swinson, two players who we think are kind of maybe the leaders to, to back up Kayvon Thibodeau at that spot. He's really impressed with what they've done in the weight room. Um, let me pull the quote up here really quick. Um, he says, Isaac Townsend has exploded in the weight room. So has Braden Swinson in a short amount of time. So not super in-depth quotes there, but you get at least a feel that both those guys physically are maybe a little bit further along um, than you would have maybe expected, given that they're both a true freshman and a redshirt freshman. Those are, to me, the two top candidates in terms of just fitting the body style. I guess the other one I'd throw out there would be um, Masiel Afisi, uh, another true freshman, four-star recruit out of Hawaii who I, I think fits that body type at 6'5", 270. All three of those guys are 6'5", and between 260 and 275 pounds. So they do they have a little bit more girth even than a Kayvon, who's listed at 6'5", 250. Um, so those are the candidates, and you're right. That is the, the area I am I guess don't have a ton of confidence in. And I shouldn't say don't have a ton of confidence. Don't, don't, we don't know the answers. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. There's more mystery at that position group because you're right. I think the, the, the nose tackle and, the, and that other defensive end or defensive tackle spot – you got at least those top two guys. And, and again, I'm going to read another quote um, that Mario gave yesterday um, regarding some of these interior linemen, because it sounds like he's pretty darn high um, as well on the play of, well, we've already mentioned Dorless, but Keon War Hudson and Christian Williams as well. So here's a quote he said yesterday or uh, that Mario Cristobal gave on Wednesday. I see the young defensive linemen that were part of last year's class between Keon Dorless and Christian Williams and think all three of those guys have provided some really good snaps. They've been disruptive and hard to block. They understand what they're doing. So um, from a depth perspective, you're starting to see it kind of develop, at least from what the coaches are saying. So I'm with you, though, Matt, to your original point. I think the, the big question mark right now is who's, who's kind of that, ne that next guy as a pass rusher off the edge if it's not Kayvon. Yeah, Cristobal highlighted those guys, uh, Keon Ware-Hudson, Christian Williams. Those two players were very close to playing more than four games mm -hmm. last year for Oregon as true freshmen and Oregon was able and fortunate enough to redshirt both of them uh, and save a, a year of eligibility going into the 2020 season. And, and now they actually get another year because of COVID. Um, <laughs> yeah. The NCAA has announced that, you know, every, every athlete that plays uh, has the ability to, to basically press pause on his eligibility clock. So if you're a redshirt freshman going into 2020, you're a redshirt freshman going into 2021, if that's what you want. Um, I look at this group, Eric, and think, okay, there's there's going to be a true freshman. There might be two true freshmen that step up in 2020 and play. I'm not going to say they're going to start or uh, you know they're they're going to be the first guy off the bench, but they're going to play and th they play in the majority of these games. And I'm going to pick two 
I'm curious if you, if your two are the same as mine. Um, the first is Braden Swenson. I think he has maybe one of the best opportunities to play because he's Kayvon. He's fighting for Kayvon Thibodeau's backup spot. Um, yeah. Trevin Mai and Isaac Townsend are, are two guys that could potentially play that spot as well. They're redshirt freshmen though. But I think Swenson ideally probably fits that role best. Um, maybe Isaac Townsend or, or my have improved significantly from a, a physical standpoint to be out on the defensive line. Um, and then I, I think that the other true freshman though, that I think is going to play is Jason Jones, um, freshman defensive tackle. He is massive. He, he, he shared some photos of himself at practice over the week uh, this week. And Eric, this is a dude where he had a ton of sec schools recruiting him. Uh, a, a lot of schools wanted him as an offensive lineman. A lot of schools wanted him as a defensive lineman. And then there was an injury that he suffered in high school that really kind of slowed down his recruitment a little bit. He was a four-star guy in the 24-7 sports composite. The 32nd best defensive tackle, the 320th best player overall in the country. And just look at these schools that offered him scholarships that then kind of said, you know what, because of your injury, the weight you put on with your injury, we're going to hold off. Uh, but, but, but listen to these schools that offered prior to that injury, Alabama, Auburn, Florida, Georgia, LSU, Auburn, uh, Florida state, Michigan, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Mississippi state, Virginia tech, Texas A&M. I mean, essentially almost the entire sec offered him a scholarship uh, multiple other good programs in the South and back East offered him scholarships. And he, he ultimately ended up choosing between Baylor, Georgia tech and Oregon. But a large part of that was because some schools filled up. Some schools said they wanted offensive tackle. Some schools said they just weren't you know certain how he looked from a physical standpoint from that injury, because he, he did put on quite a bit of weight uh, and he ended up signing with Oregon and since signing with Oregon, he has drastically improved his body to, to a point where he looks better than he was pre-injury. And I think Oregon may have gotten a huge steal here. We, we often talk about how big of a steal Jordan Scott was for Oregon back in 2017 for very similar deals, you know, weight issues or concerns from, from local schools. And Jordan Scott showed up and was immediately a starter for Oregon and an impact player one of the best defensive linemen in the conference, Jason Jones might be that type of a guy, but given a year of an opportunity to kind of learn and grow under some, some older players. Certainly from the Eric Armstead to Forrest Bucks, Buckner body type of, in terms of those really big, broad six, 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 eight long, but also really well filled out. And I think Jones comes in at least physically more impressive than I think either of those guys in terms of just his build. I mean, he's, like Matt said, you go check out the photos. I mean, he's really filled out. Um, listed at three ten at six foot six. I, I'm really curious to see where he fits in. And so, yeah, your question earlier about who do I, which true freshman do I expecting the greatest impact? Um, I mean, it kind of has to be the two you mentioned. And I think Afisi's maybe the third one to to keep an eye on. Uh, I don't want to completely say I don't expect. I don't want to completely shut down the possibility. I guess that Jake Shipley or Jalen Smith are going to be impact guys and maybe Jalen Smith is more of an impact guy on the offensive line than the defensive line, at least initially. Uh, Cristobal has said multiple times that the future for Smith is on defense, but that right now 
given kind of where they are on the offensive line, he's going to give uh, some time there. So, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think it is those two that I expect probably to have the greatest immediate impact. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know exactly how the redshirt situation is going to work. But I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of guys just really not play very much um, this year. Again, the depth numbers are pretty big. There's a lot of bodies, especially um, kind of in that Keon Ware, Hudson, Christian Williams, Brennan Dorless, Suwabi Poti, that, that four right there. I would imagine are, are going to be tough for a guy like Jake Shipley or maybe Amasiela Fisi to, to outmaneuver for playing time. Jones is again, I think kind of the wild card of, of kind of how ready is he, you know, and, and kind of what kind of role can he take on? Can he challenge a doorless maybe for, for second team reps behind an Austin fall? can he move up the maybe he plays a little bit of nose tackle. Can he move up that depth chart and challenge a, a Popo or a Keon or a Christian Williams for reps there? So, I think it's a really intriguing group and it's a group that's going to be exciting to watch. And like I said earlier, so many players, you just look at the depth chart and, or, or, or even the roster. And, and if you sort by a uh, position group and you look at the defensive line, almost all of them are freshmen, either being redshirt or true freshmen. And um, it is an immense number of inexperienced players, but I agree with what Matt said earlier. I think the upside here is, is tremendous. I think it's really, really high, and I don't think it's totally out of their own possibility that we look back at the end of the season and feel like almost every one of these players that are redshirt or true freshmen, probably not all of them because that's just expecting too many guys to play, but that, that most of them were saying, boy, have, did they show something during 2020? And then we're looking at 2020, even with the losses of Jordan Scott, somebody who's made already close to 40 career starts, and an Austin Fowler who's made close to 20. Even with those two guys departing, we're looking at 2021 thinking that the defensive line will be one of the strengths of this team once again. Let's end it here. How would you rate or grade the uh, short-term and long-term future of defensive line? I, th- I think it's very high. Yeah, I'll say the short-term – and so it's kind of, yeah, I think, I think the long term is probably better than the short term, honestly, just because of all the freshmen and the youth that are going to get experience this season. I mean, I, like I was just saying, I mean, there's going to be a ton of guys that are redshirt or true freshmen that are, that are going to play this season and are forced to play. There's not really much of an option, you know, you know an option not to. Um, and so I, I would, I don't know, I guess I'll attach a letter grade. I think the long term is probably like just an A. I think the long term projection for this group should be very high. We don't. Now, we have not seen any of these young guys step in and be a starter like a Jordan Scott or an Austin Folio. And so that part or, – or be those kind of leaders. So that part needs to kind of play out too to see who, who kind of factors into both of that. It's not just the physical intangibles or the playmaking ability. There's, there's more to it than, than all of that. You need something between the ears. You need something in terms of leadership. Um, and, and this group will need some leaders down the line. But, um, you know, in this year's group, I, I think it's a solid B+. Plus maybe an A minus. I don't think it's quite there yet just because you are relying on so many guys who haven't played that much. Um, you know, and I think it's great that you do have that experience group that we talked about where, where I mean, Jordan Scott is the most experienced defensive lineman, certainly on the team. And I, I should say just the most experienced player on the team. He has 37 starts. He's you know, that's pretty darn good. And I think the next closest is Johnny Johnson with about 30. So um, that leadership and that experience is huge. And will I think play pay dividends? But again, I still think there's a little bit. There's too many guys with the the FR next to their names here for me to say this is going to be like an A or an A plus group this year. It's going to do it for us here on the Austin Audible's podcast. Hope you enjoyed this preview of Oregon's defensive line going into the 2020 football season. 
We've got a whole bunch more coming up. We've got linebackers tomorrow. DB special teams will come in the next couple of days. And if you want to continue to support the show, uh, the most impactful way to do so is by subscribing to DuckTerritory.com. You can do so for as low as $1 for your first month. Uh, or if you want to go and and go big, you can save over $36 over the course of a year by subscribing with our annual route, $75.18 one-time billing there. Uh, inside Scoop Expert Analysis, read all the content across the 24-7 Sports Network. Other ways that you can support the show with that doesn't carry a monetary requirement uh, you can give us a, a review on the platform, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you use to listen to us. Give us a review there. Uh, each of those platforms, all of those platforms have spaces where you can give a review. That helps us. Believe it or not, that helps us a ton uh, by being seen and heard by more people. And also make sure to subscribe to the show's uh, feed on those platforms. It's free. You get sent all our latest updates, all our new shows, which right now are almost daily and you also have the full access to our previous shows, our huge library of episodes. Think, I think Eric, we've done over 300 episodes uh, since we have started doing this show, you and I together. Um, pretty, pretty remarkable. Yeah. Uh, over 300 episodes, pretty, pretty cool deal there. So there's a ton of stuff for you to go back and, and, and listen to and, you can go back and re- listen to all our previous uh, preview episodes. They're all there for your listening. Make sure to subscribe there as well. So for Eric Scopel, I'm Matt Prame. You've been listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks.